Hey, good morning, Freeway. I want to add my welcome to the one that you got from Sandy and from our, all our non-biological friends there that are uh, in our audience here in the church. Uh, great to have them along uh, and to see our little flat family exercise growing. We threw the challenge out earlier in the week. Uh, not a great pickup, but quality of, uh, of people that are here. So uh, this week, if you have the opportunity, maybe today is a great day to get with your kids and, and create a flat family and then they can come and, and join us here along with uh, my puppets and my good friend Chris, who's in the audience today. Uh, that'd be great. It's also great to know that so many of you uh, online and in your land rooms or your bedrooms or your kitchens or, or wherever you are watching, we've got uh, the Bickertons, uh, uh, Steve and Andy Kennedy, uh, Pat and Barry are online. Uh, some crazy people, the Cummins's up somewhere in northeast Victoria, I think, are on. Uh, we got Peter and Michael and Rebecca Nixon, uh, the Beachings, uh, the Bevises, just uh, lots of people. And, and some strange uh, lad here, uh, super coach from 2000, I think, is online. But that's good to have all you uh, here with us today. Hey, why don't we uh, why don't we pray and then we're going to jump into this series uh, from the Gospel of Luke. Hey, loving Father, we want to acknowledge that you are a good God, uh, that in times like this, you are the God of all comfort, that we can lose a lot of things in this world and we can be challenged by a lot of things in this world. The one thing that we can't lose is you. And this morning, our hearts, they offer up praise and worship uh, that you have made us objects of your affection, that you have made us inheritors of an imperishable and intimate and unfading uh, relationship with you that is more precious than any of the assets or comforts or achievements of this world, that is secured and applied to us by our faith in Jesus, who we love, who we believe in and trust for our salvation of our souls. This morning, uh, would your spirit help us to see and to know for certain uh, that we can have this saving faith, this saving assurity uh, in the claims of Jesus. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, this morning is the start of a new series. Uh, we're beginning the Gospel of Luke and we've called uh, this series, uh, we've titled it, Upside Down, uh, Jesus Changes Everything. I think as we get into things today, just briefly, and as we travel on through this gospel, we will see uh, that that experience and that conviction on Luke's heart uh, that Jesus turns everything upside down, that he changes all things, uh, is the conviction that the Holy Spirit used to help Luke write uh, this amazing gospel, a gospel that tells us that the lost can be found, that the broken can be healed, that those who were considered of no value actually are of deep and significant value, that the ones that were pushed uh, out to the margins will be brought into the centre and those that place themselves in the centre may indeed find that they themselves are locked out. It's a gospel for those who wonder if God could love someone as kind of jacked up and messed up as me. It's a gospel that humbles the proud. It's a gospel that warms the heart of those who are indifferent to God. It's a gospel uh, for people who, who are prone to failure. It's a gospel for those who wonder if they are actually saved. Can they know for sure? For those who wonder how could someone like me even fit into a community of believers? It's a gospel that turns upside down just about everything we thought we knew about God and how we get to know him and how we can be in relationship with him and loved by him. 
because this gospel that Luke writes seeks to convince us that Jesus, that in Jesus, God turned all things uh, upside down. A great reversal uh, has taken place, if you like, whereby it's not actually about how your badness has cut you off from God or how you think your goodness actually brings you closer to God, but it's about Jesus and what he has accomplished among us to change the condition of our hearts and how we and know God. Hey, as we crack in uh, to this message this morning, as we hear just a brief introduction to the Gospel of Luke, we're going to uh, hear from Di Bevis. She's going to bring us our Bible reading this morning. Thanks, Di. Hi, everyone. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Hey, thanks for that, Di. Uh, Great to hear from you too this morning. Hey, what we're going to do today is we're going to get to know Luke, the writer uh, of this gospel, uh, he wrote Luke and he wrote uh, what is known as its sequel, the book of Acts, and how God used him to write that account of the things that Jesus accomplished amongst us so that we might have certainty uh, in these things that, lead, that talk to us about our salvation. You know what's interesting is that Luke actually never uh, names himself in his gospels. Uh, or even in the sequel, the book of Acts. But there is internal evidence in these texts that we can use uh, to attribute this gospel to Luke. One of the things is that the writer makes it clear that uh, he was a, a close friend uh, to the eyewitnesses uh, uh, of, of Jesus. He wasn't actually an eyewitness himself, but he was a, a friend of uh, the disciples and the apostles and rather than seeing the things himself, he uh, wrote as their historian, uh, carefully recording uh, their teachings and their preachings and, and all these things that he says that he followed closely for some time over the past you know, journey. The writer presents himself also in the book of Acts as a companion of Paul. In what are known as the we passages, we get into Acts 16 and 20 and 21. The writer says, we, we left from here and we went there. Paul and I went and did this and that together. And so we know that this person who wrote this stuff is actually a close companion uh, of Paul's um, work there. We also know from 2 Timothy 4 uh, that, that Luke was with Paul while he was in prison and probably with Paul right up into his martyrdom uh, when he was when he was executed for his faith. And the one figure that pulls all of these um, these uh, clues together is this person, Luke. Supporting this uh, this view, if you like, is the fact that the early church, church fathers, uh, those who, who were you know, bishops and that of the early church, uh, all unanimously and continuously identify Luke as the writer of both the Gospel of Luke and, and the Book of Acts. Uh, there's no, there's no um, variance in, in who they attribute this book to. Those uh, early fir- uh, church father figures also record for us things like the, that Luke was a native to Antioch, and that's probably where he came into contact uh, with Paul and his teachings about Jesus that helped uh, a God-fearing Gentile 
uh, understand and see how God had moved toward him uh, to love and include him into this family, that it wasn't just for a particular sect of Jews, but it was uh, for all people of all nations, of all all races. And that this, these traditions that we get from these church fathers also let us know that that Luke was a Gentile physician, that he was a, a doctor. And that tradition is supported by Paul's reference, as we said, to Luke in Colossians, where he calls Paul the beloved physician. So we are confident uh, as we gather all this together that Luke is this Gentile. Uh, he's a doctor who Jesus has made the love of God a saving reality to. And Luke now writes this gospel. And though Luke is uh, Gentile by ethnicity, uh, who uses what is really sophisticated and eloquent Ju- uh, Greek language, like people are kind of amazed at the level of literature that flows from his pen, he's also uh, a, a Gentile who thinks and writes in Jewish imagery and language and metaphor making Luke a man of incredible uh, writing skill and journalistic skill. What all this means as we plug all this together is that Luke was in an excellent position to, to know and communicate the truths about Jesus and write this gospel from a very unique uh, perspective and a diverse kind of position. The first uh, perspective that Luke writes from and the one that we're going to spend a fair bit of time looking at this morning is that Luke writes from the position of a serious uh, historian using language that was recognized in the day as official uh, historic language if you like so that his readers as they begin this gospel they instantly recognize or they're able to distinguish that what comes next what he's about to write next is is not a fiction it's not legend it's not fable but it's historic truth and historians, as they've looked at this writing of Luke's, uh, they have looked at it and said, this is some of the highest uh, quality Greek literature that they've ever encountered. So Luke's intentions right out of the gate are for people as they read this gospel to pay attention. This is not some made up story. This is fact. This is history. And Luke um He's not writing uh, for a benefactor, as was the case with a lot of writers. They would write uh, to, you know, improve the image of a benefactor or something like that. He's not writing for a publishing company. He's not even writing for history's sake in itself. Luke writes uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So that his readers in particular, uh, the most excellent um, Theophilus, I mean, who starts a letter like that? but that the officers would know for certain and uh, beyond any doubt that uh, any of the questions that he had, he could have certainty in them, certainty about who Jesus is, uh, who he was, the things that he claimed about himself. Did he really uh, rise from the dead? Did he really ascend into heaven? These kind of questions could be answered beyond any doubt. Luke writes his history uh, to us, not um, in a perfect chronological sequence, but rather he writes from the perspective of a, a theological perspective, um, from topical arrangements. Uh, he, it's not that he's altered the facts or rearranged anything. He's just put them in a way so that they address our hearts. They speak to our hearts. And this arrangement in his gospel has the fingerprints of the Holy Spirit uh, all through them. 
It may have been Luke who, who did all the research and, and all the meticulous kind of finding of back, facts and the writing of this gospel, but it's God who brings us this gospel. And over the journey, many people have sought to uh, discredit Luke's writings, have tried uh, to say that he's actually not a good historian, that hasn't actually written an orderly account of things. Perhaps the most famous of, of these people uh, is this uh, prestigious kind of antagonist. His name was Sir William Ramsey. He is an archaeological, an archaeologist. Yeah, uh, he's a uni lecturer at Edinburgh University, and he was a staunch biblical skeptic. Uh, if you want to kind of get a picture of this guy, he's like a real life Indiana Jones type. And, uh, if you didn't grow up in the 80s, think, I don't know, male version of Lara Croft, whatever helps you, uh, kind of envisage this guy. But he believed that the Bible writers made up facts and made up stories to try and, you know, help their little movement along. In particular, uh, this guy believed that the book of Acts uh, was full of errors. And, and, and to prove this contention, he traveled to Asia Minor to demonstrate Luke's, um, unreliability. Now, after pretty much leaving no stone unturned, the, the, the more he found, the more he discovered, the more he realized that history, as he dug it up, affirmed Luke's account of history. And as he did this and as he discovered how good a historian Luke was, his conclusions actually led him uh, to his conversion. But he wrote this about Luke. Luke is a historian of first rank. Not merely are his statements of fact trustworthy. He is possessed of a true historical sense. He seizes the important and the critical events and shows their true nature at greater length. While he touches lightly or omits entirely much that was valueless for his purpose. In short, this author should be placed along with the very greatest of historians. Another historian, Professor Otto Piper, he concludes this. Whenever modern scholarship has been able to check up on the accuracy of Luke's work, the judgment has been unanimous. He is one of the finest historians in the ancient world. Luke's concern for historic accuracy uh, is evident in his opening. He is painstakingly, uh, diligently, uh, uh, over a long period of time, sifting through all the eyewitness accounts, uh, sifting through all the traditions that have been passed down, looking at other written accounts of the life of Jesus. And as he kind of goes through them and as he boils them all down and knocks out what is in fact and brings in what is, we get this incredible gospel. Uh, Philip Ryken comments about this, that if Mark's gospel is one written by a storyteller, you know, just facts and, 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 and action all the way through, and John's gospel is kind of written from the, from the view of a philosopher, Luke's gospel was one of an investigative reporter. You know, Luke's gospel is the most complete. From it, we get all kinds of precious insight that isn't in other Gospels, insights into uh, all the surrounding things around Jesus' birth. We get much of what we like to recreate at Christmas from Luke's Gospel. We get the story of the Good Samaritan. We get the story of the prodigal son. We get the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector, the rich ruler. We hear about this guy Zacchaeus. From Luke, we get uh, the preaching of Jesus on the Emmaus Road. And only Luke gives us this fuller picture and fills out the portrait of the women who followed Jesus. 
Luke is a historian par excellence. And because he wrote such good history, uh, because he wrote such a sober and straightforward, non-sensationalized account of what Jesus did to save the world, our faith is strengthened as we read through this gospel. And that's, that's what I hope that we're going to experience as we go through this gospel. The gospel of Luke, uh, bears the marks of all, all the, uh, authenticity of his, of history. But it's organized in such a way as to not merely just impress your mind. Like, isn't that an impressive, uh, bit of writing? But to do surgery on your soul, to show it, to show our souls the love and, and the salvation of God toward us in Jesus. And in a way, that makes our hearts certain of it and secures our faith for us. You know, the other perspective that Luke writes from is the perspective of a doctor. Luke is often referred to as Dr. Luke, and for good reason. And we've seen that this morning, uh, how Paul actually himself refers to Luke as the beloved physician in Colossians 4.14. And scholars have noted that Luke's uh, sophisticated and polished Greek writing is that of an educated man and that it's laced with uh, medical terminology. So the evidence that Luke is actually a medical physician is favourable. But it's the content and the concern of Luke's writing that reveals the kind of doctor he really is, a doctor of immense compassion for people. One with an incredible bedside manner. A doctor of great humility because Luke is never pushing himself to the front of his own writing. He's always pushing uh, and making much of what Jesus has done in the lives and hearts of people. One with a pastoral heart for the weak. One with a pastoral heart for the sick and the marginalised. Those who feel overlooked. Those pushed to the margins of society. I think that's why Paul calls him the beloved physician. I mean, how many of you, when you think about your doctor, think it just warms my heart that I have a relationship with this doctor? But Paul, uh, but Luke is loved dearly by those who he cared for. Luke is a lover of people, and in and he and in his compassion for people, bears out the fact that he himself has known what it is to be loved by a great physician, to be loved by a great healer, to have his soul restored by someone. You know, uh, in Corinthians 2, uh, 8, 18, Paul makes reference to this, to this brother, this, this brother who is famous amongst all the churches for his preaching, uh, his preaching of the gospel. And the general consensus around people who, who've studied this is that Paul is referring to Luke. And Kent Hughes remarks that Luke was not merely a medical doctor, but Luke was a doctor of souls. And it was his goal and his passion to introduce as many souls as he could to the truths around Jesus. And this is why uh, Luke, in, <clears throat> in his Gospels, mentions so many different kinds of people that history would normally just kind of breeze past. It would have no care for. Luke names more people than any other Gospel, particularly women. And he fills out the description of the people that he talks about. Only Luke gives us the names of the blind, of the blind beggars of, of Bartimaeus. Luke is saying that this Jesus that he's writing about is for people from all walks of life. All kinds of, of different people. It doesn't matter whether they're poor. It doesn't matter whether they're socially marginalized or whether they're rich or affluential. 
But rather what Jesus does is he comes along and he changes and he turns around everything uh, and turns our world upside down. The normal expectations of culture are changed in an encounter of Jesus. You don't need to prove your worth or to change your morality. No, from Luke's perspective, is it seems that Jesus himself is the agent of change in people's lives and that no one is excluded from the impact of this change. Luke's gospel is, for pe- is a people-focused gospel because Jesus himself was a people-focused saviour. These names are not in here merely to show us the breadth uh, and, and width of God's love, but they act like the eyewitnesses account Counts Act, they serve uh, as kind of footnotes, if you like, uh, to the historic narrative that, that Luke is, is writing. You can use them to fact check. Well, the original readers could have used them to fact check. This gospel of Luke's was written around sort of 62 to 67 AD, a period of time that's no more than eight to ten years after Paul himself wrote to the Corinthians uh, in Corinthians 1.15, and he said uh, that the resurrected Jesus appeared to over 500 people at one time, most of them who are still alive today. So Luke's audience is alive. Those who are written in his Gospels exist. And he's saying, go and talk to them. These people add nothing to this story apart from credibility, apart from authenticity. And you can go and chat to them and you can go and have a talk to them. I mean, who on earth is a guy, Simon of Cyrene? Who is he before he carries Jesus' crossbeam? He is no one apart from the fact that he carried Jesus' crossbeam. Go and chat to him. Ask him what he saw. Ask him what he witnessed. And I'm excited uh, about this gospel because of its goal to turn our lives, to turn our hearts upside down, perhaps from unbelief to faith, perhaps from doubt to certainty in the things that Jesus has accomplished on our behalf. As Philip Ryken concludes, he says this, he says, we need to hear from this doctor about the perfections of of things like Jesus' virgin birth, about the obedience of his sinful life. We need to uh, encounter the countercultural wisdom of his profound teachings. Uh, We need to hear about the power of his divine miracles. We need to know these things because they prove to us that Jesus was the son of God. We need to know that what Jesus did to save us from the wrath of God. We need to know that he suffered and died on a cross for our sins. We need to know that he ascended into heaven and that he rules and reigns over all things for the glory of God and for our deep joy. Luke's gospel is for anyone who needs to know Jesus. It's for people who have never met Jesus. It's for people who need to meet him again, perhaps as even for the first time. It's for people who aren't quite sure about Jesus. It's for people who are just starting to get to know who Jesus is. And it's for people who have known Jesus for a long time, but still need more security in their faith. Ultimately, Luke's gospel is for anyone who wants to know for sure about the things that Jesus accomplished on our behalf, about the salvation that he brings into his life. And I'm hoping that over the next few weeks, uh, as this year travels along, you'll be able to plug in each week and hear more and more uh, from Luke about this man, Jesus. It's not just history, but it's good history. Let's pray.
Lord, we thank you uh, for your spirit that inspired a man called Luke uh, 200, uh, 2,000 years ago to write this incredible story about Jesus, that we might know uh, all uh, that he did on our behalf. And we pray now that as we go, uh, as we think about these things today and as each week uh, this gospel unfolds before us, that you would enliven our hearts to the truth about Jesus, that in him your love is made known for us, uh, your salvation is made available for us, and this new life, this new quality of life that just helps us uh, do all things in a way that uh, you uh, approve of is made known to us. We thank you for this gospel this morning, and uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna finish today with that song that we learnt last week, uh, "Living Hope." Uh, Jesus is not just some dead figure in history, but he is a risen and living hope, and that's why we can uh, come together and sing about this in our lives. Hey, God bless, and I look forward to seeing you guys um, online next week. Cheers.